Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hello, everyone. Today is July 26, 2016, and you are listening to Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com, and we are officially in kind of the doldrums of the season for the first time in a while. There is not really a ton of news to talk about, but we have plenty to talk about here. Uh, today, I will be starting a, a series uh, talking about some of the big questions about roles. Um, it's things that we've we've talked about and hinted about, but I'm going to address some more directly uh, with some with some quotes that uh, that came from that that introductory press conference for Bismack Biombo back during summer league. Uh, probably one of the more revealing and interesting press conferences that that set the tone uh, for the rest of the summer. But first, I do want to remind everyone that they can follow us on iTunes. Uh, uh, search Locked On Magic. If you subscribe to the original Orlando Magic Daily podcast feed, you should download automatically. Get us on your listening device automatically each you know late morning, early afternoon uh, for your commute uh, so you can know what's going on with the Orlando Magic. Uh, you can also find us on Audio Boom and Stitcher as well. And if there's anywhere else you need, need, me, to, need me to get Locked On Magic, I will get there. As you can tell, I am still enjoying my wonderful new microphone. Uh, I hope it's. I hope everything is coming in a lot clearer for you now, uh, and I'm hoping to add some more cosmetic changes and upgrades to the podcast as well. On today's episode, I am going to ask one of those big questions about the roles of the team as we as we do this four part series on on roles in the Orlando Magic. Uh, I wrote. Uh, a little bit more detail about this and then wrote about it generally today on orlandomagicdaily.com about whether Aaron Gordon is properly a small forward or a power forward, a, a big debate and, and something that we're going to to be watching and, and looking for throughout the season. Uh, later on then, I'm going to talk about the ESPN round t- summer forecast series where, where they have the magic going and, and some thoughts on their predictions and, and where they see the magic fitting in the East. We've obviously had... Uh, some thoughts on that as well. But first, I do want to begin with just a a little bit of news, just a little bit of a, kind of an update, a general NBA update, uh, in that you know most of the focus right now is on USA basketball as the Olympics get ready to start uh, next, I think it's next Friday is when the Olympics start, believe it or not. Um, the, the Olympics, the Rio Olympics are coming, whether Rio's ready for them or not. And USA basketball is going to be going for the gold medal. And of course, they are the heavy favorites to win the gold medal, and they should be. Uh, they've played two friendlies so far. Uh, Aaron Gordon obviously was with the select team. Uh, all accounts are that he performed decently, um, that, that he showed some, some general improvement. But there wasn't a lot of buzz coming from select team camp for anyone really outside of, I think, Miles Turner got a lot of, got, got some buzz. Um, but it was uh, Jabari Parker losing a lot of weight, got a lot of buzz. But it was generally a very quiet U.S. camp, uh, which... Doesn't mean anything, of course, but uh, looking at the U.S. team specifically, it's definitely a, a team that's extremely talented. Uh, they're going to play a, a pressing style like they usually do, and they're going to try and use transition to, to score points. And it's hard to tell much of anything from these friendlies 
Uh, to, to beat the U.S., they're going to have to miss shots. Uh, they've, they've got so many good shooters. They've got so many gifted players. They're going to be able to find a lineup that can take care that can take advantage of a defense even when they're struggling and their defensive players are really, really strong. When you, have Dray, when you can throw a front line of Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and, uh, uh, Cl- and uh, like a Clay Thompson or Jimmy Butler, you're going to have good defenders on the floor at all times, and Coach K gets them to play unselfishly. Uh, Carmelo Anthony is just an international basketball savant. Uh, it, it's tough to see any team really competing with the U.S., and in these friendlies so far, we've just seen how dominant this team can be uh, you know, even even in these in these friendly games, uh, what's really surprising me so far, at least, uh, is just how dominant Jordan and Demarcus Cousins have been. DeAndre Jordan and Demarcus Cousins have just been animals on the glass for for Team USA. And to me, it's very difficult to see. Uh, it's very difficult for me to see any team competing with them. I know there's been a lot of talk among Magic fans about uh, France not taking Evan Fournier, but even without Evan Fournier, I still think France has the best opportunity to to knock off the U.S. because of Rudy Gobert, and I think Rudy Gobert as a rim protector uh, is that big of an, a difference, and I think that's why Colet decided to add Gobert and not Fournier. The guard rotation, I think he felt very, very comfortable with, didn't want to didn't want to not reward those guys for the work they put in this summer with the team and and add in a new element. Gobert can can slide in a lot more seamlessly because he doesn't need the ball on offense and is just such a a game changer on the defensive end. But even then, France has got to play just about perfect. They've got a small backcourt in Tony Parker and Nando DiColo. Antoine Godot doesn't have a lot of experience. Uh, They definitely benefit from having Evan Fournier out there, but uh, it's, it's still even then a long shot for them to beat the U.S. It's a long shot for anyone to beat the U.S. Uh, I went on Locked On Spurs last night. That episode should be out today, so, so check out Locked On Spurs. Now you hear me talk a little bit more about USA basketball. Uh, I listed my, my three teams that I think have the best chance of picking off the U.S., and, and let me tell you, even among those three teams, I think the odds are very, very slim. This isn't the strongest USA team that they've sent in the Coach K era. This isn't the strongest team that they've that they've put out there, but uh, it's still a very very good team. It's still it's not 2004 bad where there's no shooters and they don't seem to really fit together. This is a, or they have a lot of one on one guys. This is a team that's still, that's very very unselfish. They're not going to go one on one a lot. They're not going to go one on one a lot. They can certainly fall into that trap, and I think that's how teams are going to have to try and beat them. But they move the ball. They got shooters. They play really, really strong defense. So uh, I think USA basketball is in very, very good shape heading into this Olympics. Uh, and I would expect nothing less than gold and, and walking to a gold at that. So let's move on to our featured segment of today's show, asking uh, a big question. Uh, and, and really, this is going to be a series that I'm going to do throughout the week. Uh, I posted an article on OrlandoMagicDaily.com titled, Orlando Magic began to answer questions about roles. And what really was the impetus for this article was the, the quotes and comments Frank Vogel and Rob Hennigan gave at the introductory press conference for Bismack Biombo. Uh, when they intro- honestly, that, that introductory press conference was more revealing than just about any press conference that Rob Hennigan has, has given. We got a really in-depth look at how Frank Vogel and Rob Hennigan see this team uh, falling into place and, and coming about. And it's it's a it's a huge, you know, obviously 
it, it's something we've talked about a lot on this show. It's something we've talked a lot about on the site. How is this team going to fit together? And, you know, someone noted that, you know, it seems like we're being negative by, by raising these questions up. But frankly, that's what we have to do. We have to ask, will this work? And I'm not going to make, I, I don't think it's my place necessarily to make a comment on whether I think it's going to work. I think I'm worried about a few things. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think it can work. I think things can can succeed. It's it's not that it can't, and I'll get into a little bit of that I guess a little bit later. But uh, but for sure, the the Magic have a lot of questions that they need to that they need to then they need to answer, uh, and that's a big part of um, that's a big part of what this offseason has become about. It's become about at, about figuring out where these pieces fit. And so for this week, I'm going to be kind of asking and providing the comments of some of the, the, the questions that are being asked of this team. So the first one I want to address today is, is Aaron Gordon a three or a four? And the answer to that for Rob Hennigan has always been, he's neither, he's a forward. And I think more than ever, we're going to see Aaron Gordon playing that role. Uh, Rob Hennigan said uh, during Summer League, quote, his versatility is what makes him valuable. Aaron is comfortable playing either position. If you ask him, he would prefer to play the three. We have all the confidence in the world in his ability to do that. We love the fact that he's able to swing between positions, as is Jeff, Jeff Green, which gives us good versatility on the wing, end quote. Frank Vogel added, I would say both. He goes to probably, he go, he's going to probably, He's going to probably play with Surge starting at the four. He would start at the three. But the way the league plays, you have to have the ability to play a guy like Aaron at the four. A guy as versatile as Aaron is, what position he plays is predicated on the players around him. If Serge Ibaka is not here, he's a four for us. With Serge Ibaka here, he's a three and really long, which is really exciting. So Aaron Gordon, if you look at the numbers... He has played the majority of his short career at the four. Last year, according to basketballreference.com, his split was 60% minutes at the four, 40% at the three. So he, he has played both four, four spots. And with the Magic's lineup constructed the way it is, I suspect it's going to creep much closer to 50-50 and probably edge toward him being a small forward. Personally, I think his best position is power forward. I, uh, until he develops a more consistent three-point shot, and he shot twenty less than thirty percent from beyond the arc last year. It's like twenty nine point six. He's better suited playing around the basket as something of a slasher, and especially on a team that doesn't have a lot of outside shooting. That's in, that's that's really important to keep him closer to the basket, or to have him cut you know cut and and, and try and wedge a defense open by being a constant threat around the around the basket. Um. That's not to say Gordon can't get there. The reports from this summer are that Gordon's jump shot has has vastly improved. Do I think he can get from 29 to like 35, 36% three-point shooting? That's a big leap. Uh, but if he can do that, then that certainly makes him a better player, makes him more of a weapon on the perimeter. Gordon has always said he's a, he's a three. And, and the expectation at this point is that he's going to play and start at small forward. And, and that's fine. I think that's the way the team should go. Because if you look a little bit deeper into the stats, uh, it certainly suggests that there is definite value at small forward. When you look at, according to 82games.com, the Magic, uh, Gordon, 
posted a 20.3 PER at power forward and gave up a 14.8 PER at power forward. As a small forward, he's a 17.0 PER and gave up a 13.1 PER at small forward. Gordon is a very, very good defensive player, and the Magic are going to unleash him on defense uh, and let him be the team's, main, the team's main perimeter stopper. And that's the idea about bringing him to small forward. Remember, the Magic's identity is all about being very, very strong defensively. Their ticket to the playoffs is to have an elite defense. So the offensive concerns aren't necessarily the most important thing the Magic are thinking about right now. And I know that can be a little frustrating. And I know that that seems a little contradictory because, of course, the point of the game is to score points. But consistently, defense is the way you get into the playoffs. And the Magic realized this and have created a team that should be very, very good on the defensive end. Like Frank Vogel said, and we'll talk about a little bit later, we're always going to have shot blocking on the floor. There won't be a time... We don't have a very good rim protector on the floor. And, and if that's the case, the Magic will be a tough team to score against. Gordon, though, is to me in a very, very unique situation. And this is why I bring this question up and, and I have some concern about the way they're bringing him along. Whether you like it or not, two seasons into his career, and it's been an injury-riddled career. And remember, he missed most of his rookie, he missed more than half of his rookie year with a fractured foot, and he never quite recovered from that. He comes back to summer league looking like a completely different player, one ready to take, o- one ready to take over and take a huge step forward. And then a few weeks after summer league, he breaks his jaw and is out for the, out for the rest of the summer and wasn't even ready for the beginning of training camp. Like He, he was doing non-contact drills at the beginning of training camp, remember. So Gordon has missed a lot of development time. But the way he plays, and as he got his legs under him, the way he plays, it would certainly seem to suggest that he is best suited playing, that he is best suited playing at one of the two positions, that that he is best suited playing to me as a power forward, until he gets that shot improved, until he uh, can dribble a little bit better in traffic, to me, he is a power forward who can play some three on occasion. I, I said this at the time. I still really like the Aaron Gordon-Tobias Harris pairing because I thought they complemented each other really well. And I wish the Magic would have given that a, a bit of a closer look. But that's neither here nor there. That, that combination's gone. Maybe Gordon-Nabaka works, because Ibaka can stretch the floor and be the three-point shooter while Gordon hangs around the basket on offense. Defensively, of course, Gordon is a perfect fit at the three. And I think that he will thrive on the defensive end at the three. So we'll see, we'll see exactly how that works and how that, uh, how that will get, how that, you know, will, will play out. Obviously we've got a long way to go before the season begins. But clearly, the Orlando Magic are going to play Aaron Gordon at the three more than they have ever before. And he's going to start at the, at the small forward position. And I think he's going to probably play some backup power forward minutes. It wouldn't surprise me if you know he's one of the first guys out of the starting lineup so he can play backup power forward minutes or 
uh, Ibaka is one of the first guys out of the lineup so that, that Gordon can, can switch over to the four. They bring in like a Jeff Green who can also play both positions. You know, there's a lot of versatility in this lineup. But I do want to close this segment on this and, and this point. Aaron Gordon, and this is going to put immense pressure on him. This is a show-me season for Aaron Gordon. He's got to prove what he can do in the NBA this season before his, his extension year next year, before they, they can begin talking extension with him. He's got, he's got to take a next step up. In his career, he's got to prove what he is. The Magic need him to do that. They they've clearly committed to him as a member of their core of their core team. He's he's the result of a couple years of tanking, to be frank. And so the question now is, what do the mag, How do the Magic? How do the Magic use him effectively? How did the Magic get the most out of Aaron Gordon? And that's my main concern. I want to see him develop into a very good player, and I think he can. I think he's got the talent. I think he's got the ability. I think he can eventually become a three. But in today's NBA, and I'm sure I'll repeat this throughout the week, in today's NBA, his size, his speed, his athleticism, and hopefully eventually his three-point shooting makes him really, really dangerous as a prototypical four in today's NBA. The super athletic three has always kind of struggled. You always need a three that can, that can make shots, and that's just not Gordon's forte. And so my big concern playing him with the three is that he's going to, to tighten the space on the floor because there just is not enough shooting in the starting lineup. And if Gordon is ending up coming off the bench for whatever reason, I think that's worse off for his career and that's obviously worse off for the Magic. So for now, it seems like the, the clarity is pretty clear, even though it's entering some, some somewhat uncharted territory, that Aaron Gordon is going to be playing mostly small forward, probably closer to a 50-50 split, but favoring small forward this year. So it'll be a new challenge for Aaron Gordon. Before we close out the show, I, I want to start with um, I want to talk a little bit about the 2016-2017 uh, East standings forecast that was posted on ESPN. Um, this is the summer forecast series. The, the ESPN gathers their panel of writers. Uh, they predict various things about the season, and they they kind of use uh, the 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 a large sample base of their writers to put out predictions, essentially to say, you know, this is what we think is going to happen this year. So. You look at the looking at the projected East standings; they're not particularly high on the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Orlando Magic finish. Uh, where's where's where are they? They finish thirteenth still in the East, with a similar record of thirty-five and forty-seven. The, re- the 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 projected record is thirty-five and forty-seven, and they say, "Are the Magic any better or worse off trading Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka? Both play great defense, but struggle to get involved offensively. You could say the same for other Magic additions in Bismack Biombo and Jeff Green." And that is certainly fair criticism. And it's hard for me to sit here and say that they're completely wrong. Uh, like I said when I, on the podcast last week, Unlocked on Magic last week, you can go, go back and listen to it. I believe it was Thursday or Friday. Uh, you know, we wrote an article that was taking a, lot, you know, taking a little bit of a, a temperature of the Eastern Conference. And the fact of the matter is, 
that, you know, there are some teams that are clearly in. And Cleveland, Boston, Toronto are your top three teams in this poll and in this in this in this ranking. Uh, I had Detroit, Indiana, uh, you know, Charlotte as probably in. I believe I had Atlanta as probably in. So that's already seven teams. And then you've got the eighth seed where you're battling with Washington, who has clearly established them, who who had a took a step back last year, but clearly has some talent and can take it can take another step forward and make the playoffs and, and get back there. You've got New York, who's got a veteran. You got New York and Chicago who have a veteran group of players, uh, you know, and you know, kind of a storied franchise. They obviously get a little bit more publication, so maybe maybe the panel is a little more uh, familiar with them. But they're both they're both good teams. They're both going to be competitive teams. Uh, you've got Milwaukee, who's an exciting young team. You've got Miami. Uh, they're always in the conversation. They've got good players, uh, but a lot of what they're doing is dependent on Chris Bosh. Um, and then you have the Magic. So, you know, there's 13 teams that certainly have a fair shot at making the playoffs and probably only two spots, realistically, that, that they can fight for. And they, the, the, the panel has the, the, the last team in, which is the Washington Wizards, finishing at 41 and 41. So essentially to get to the playoffs, the Magic would have to finish at least 500. And I think that's an expected goal. I think most people expect it, expect that. And to go from 35 to 41 wins would be, to me, again, another step forward for the franchise. It would be another step up. Uh, does, that, if, does that make the playoffs? I don't know. Is that enough to satisfy Magic ownership? Is that enough to say, you know, 41 wins is another step forward. We didn't make the playoffs, but we were right there. Is that enough to, to stay the course, or does that cause another sea change on the team? I don't know. Like, we got to let the season play out. But as I've said before, it's hard to get a handle on this Magic team. It's hard to say this team is this, or this team is going to be this. I, I think I said this at one point. I could see the Magic winning 46 games and making the playoffs easily. I could see them winning 30. I just have no feel for what this team's going to do. And a lot of it's because of the offensive uncertainty. Uh, I'll certainly back off my 30-win prediction. I think 35 is the baseline. I don't think this team, like, like the panel says here, I don't think this team is any worse than it was last year. And I do think everyone's discrediting how much a good defense can 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 really affect a team's record. A good defense gets you can get you into the playoffs. And you know, if the Magic have an elite defense this year, I think they will be in the playoffs. If they have a top 10 defense this year, I don't think they'll be a team that misses the playoffs unless their offense is just absolutely abysmal. Like like worse than the league abysmal. If the Magic can avoid the the say bottom 5, bottom 10 on offense, and be a top 10 defense, they will be in the playoffs. That is just the formula for getting in. It's not the formula necessary, necessarily for winning and advancing in the playoffs, but it is the formula for just getting in. And the Magic right now are just trying to get in. So, to me, I think everyone is discounting exactly how good this team's defense can be. If Alfred Payton, and, and we'll ha- I will definitely write about this a little bit more, but Alfred Payton took a major step back defensively last year. We could see it on the floor. Numbers reflect it, too. If he can get back to the defensive level he was his rookie year, the Magic will be significantly better. 
They were 19 and 13 at one point. Remember, that team is still in there somewhere to me. Uh, Evan Fournier is not a bad defender. Aaron Gordon, like I said, is has the potential to be a really good defender. And we know what Serge Ibaka can do. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, I think, can improve, especially with Ibaka maybe as a rim protector. I'm I'm still a little skeptical about that, and I think that's the big question that's going to have to be solved early on in the season. If Nikola Vucevic can't play deep, if the Nikola Vucevic can't show significant improvement on the defensive end, or the Magic can't cover up his mistakes uh, a little bit better, then this whole thing fails. Like I, I mean, I. Everyone's asked me why we're talking so much about Nikola Vucevic. I think that's the reason why. If the, the, the whole experiment now is can a shot-blocking power forward clear the way for Nikola Vucevic to be a true starting center in this league? On the defensive end especially. If he can't, A, Vucevic's value is completely undercut for a lot of reasons, but B, then you've got some problems because the whole... The whole bet, essentially, is that def- that your defense is going to carry you to the NBA playoffs. So, to me, I, I think a lot of Magic fans will get frustrated by this projection. Um, some of it certainly might be not a lot of people watch the Magic or, or kind of know the talent that they have, and, and we're maybe a little bit closer, so maybe we're being a little more optimistic and they're being a little pessimistic, and the difference is somewhere in the middle. But... I also think this is relatively fair. Uh, I think it's very, very possible the Magic finished 13th in the East again with a better team. I think it's very, very possible that the Magic make the playoffs. Um, I'm not willing to pull the trigger on that. I, I'm still kind of skeptical. I want to see some things from the team before before I hop on the bandwagon. But uh, I generally, though, I do think the Magic are on the right path. I think that they have taken the right strategy to, to if, if they were going to force some things, and, and that's what they've done. And so I, I don't know if I would have forced as much as they did, but if they were going to force some things, then then uh, they've clearly taken some steps to put themselves in a position to make the playoffs and put themselves in a position to form an identity that will get them there. And... People are going to be skeptical, and they should be. I'm skeptical. I'm sure everyone has a lot of questions. Uh, but there's obviously a long way to go before we answer those questions, and obviously uh, we'll be talking and thinking about them until we get some answers on the court. And uh, there will be some big answers on the court, and the Magic could be the surprise team of the season, could be kind of the, the darling team. So uh, those are those predictions. I'll have a little bit more about them on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You'll probably be listening to this uh, on, that, on that article as well. So uh, be sure to check that out at orlandomagicdaily.com. That'll do it for today's show of Locked On Magic. I want to remind everyone that uh, I will be on uh, today's episode of Locked On Spurs. So be sure to check that out, talking about USA basketball and which team has the best chance at beating Team USA. Uh, again, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, search Locked On Magic. Download us directly to your iTunes-enabled listening device, uh, automatically every morning uh, when this gets posted. Uh, you'll also find us on Audio Boom and Stitcher. Uh, again, any suggestions for the show, feel free to email me at omagicdaily, or, uh, at, omagicdaily at gmail.com or uh, send, a, send a tweet to the show at omagicdaily. Uh, I'm sure I will be posting, I'm sure I'll be doing a mini mailbag at some point this week, so be sure to submit your questions using the hashtag 
Locked On Magic. I want to thank everyone again for listening. I'm getting so much great response and, and, and love for the podcast. Uh, I'm trying to trying to meet all requests and, and, and help you guys out as much as I can. I know I, I've had a few people ask to, to tell you when segments are. Um, the, the design of this show is to be relatively short, um, no more than 30 minutes, and I, I usually hit that pretty well. So you can listen to me on your commute home, during your workout, just, just a little little bite and a little bit of discussion on the Orlando Magic uh, each day. So uh, that's, that's kind of the overarching goal. So again, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the response. Uh, I'll be adding more cosmetics to the show as well, hopefully. So only bigger and better things as we get closer to the NBA season. Thank you all for listening once again to Locked On Magic. I will check you guys out tomorrow. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.